do for your customers? And real estate agents ask me all the time, how do they either start in the business or how do they expand their business selling more real estate and particularly interested in focus of probate real estate? And inevitably, the discussion, if I'm leading it, because I'm not selling coaching, I'm not selling data, I'm not selling a program of some sort, I'm selling the American dream, and I'm selling you and working hard to build your business. The fastest, easiest way is to create value by learning something of value and sharing with everybody you know. In the probate space, one of the best ways is to either learn how to navigate through probate or avoid probate, and then offer a solution. And so one of the beginning tasks has to be learning about estate planning, avoiding probate. And one of the great resources I found was trustandwill.com, who both has a great resource page with a lot of information about estate planning, as well as offers a great solution for estate planning, i.e. how to avoid probate. Now, separately, they do have a division for probate, and I've had them on here before, and we've, we've talked about them, but this is specifically the avoiding probate department. I'm really excited to have on the call, I think he's muted, so I have to ask him to unmute. Michael Salazar coming from the beautiful city of San Diego. Michael, how are you doing? Doing great, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to talking uh, estate planning. I know you're usually focused on just probate, but looking forward to uh, talking estate planning with you today. Well, we do mix it up. And frankly, I've interviewed probably 10 or 15 estate planning attorneys because one of my key strategies is uh, position myself with my customers to avoid uh, probate. So tell me a little bit about your background. When you were a kid and started off playing with, uh, I was playing with G.I. Joes and uh, little uh, plastic army men. Were you playing with the state planners or what were you doing? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I was growing up dreaming of, uh, of be working for a digital estate planning company, right? That doesn't sound like something mm. that uh, you know grows up to do. I really kind of fell into this role by luck during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I graduated from college in 2019, right before the pandemic. I started working for uh, a, a large e-commerce company that I won't name on this call, but basically was a, a category analyst working with spreadsheets all day, trying to improve or increase margins, uh, make more money for the shareholders. And I just felt like my work didn't mean much at that point. I wanted to do something that really helped people. And my grandmother, believe it or not, actually found an article about trust and will in the San Diego Union Tribune. Wow. Uh, showed me that, hey, this company just raised $21 million uh, at that point to build the best possible experience for people to create their estate plan online. This is really going to help a lot of people. And I got on a call within two weeks. I was uh, starting with Trust and Will. That was about two and a half years ago and haven't really looked back since. Um, really love the Oof. company. Love the mission of making estate planning accessible. Love the people that I get to do it with. Um, and I, I definitely believe in what we're building here. Maybe I had the wrong family member on the call. I should get grandma on to talk about. She recognized trustworld.com, or she just wanted you to be in Florida, in San Diego next to her, probably is the main, if I had yeah. to guess what the mission was. So, <laughs> so talk a little bit about the mission of trustworld.com. I mean, I understand estate planning. I work with attorneys, but you guys are different in the sense. I know how, how I describe you. How do you describe when you're talking to people, to lay people, you're sitting in a bar in San Diego watching uh I don't know what you can't watch the charges. San Diego State and the NCAA's. What do you talk about? So he says, so trust and will come. What do you guys do? How do you describe that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're a super mission-oriented company, and in the mission is, like I said, make estate planning accessible for the families that would not otherwise go meet with an attorney. So our co-founders about six years ago were pretty surprised to find out that over 60% of American families don't have any sort of estate plan in place at all. 
And then when you take into account the families that have documents that are maybe uh, no longer state specific for the state that they live in, maybe they're out of date uh, according to state or federal law, or maybe they maybe just don't reflect their wishes. Like maybe they had a falling out with one of their children and their child is listed as, you know, 80% beneficiary of all their accounts. Or, uh, you know, the person who's listed as successor trustee on their trust uh, is no longer alive and they've only, they only have one successor trustee listed. Uh, so when you take those into account, that number is probably 70 75% of families don't have an estate plan set up that's going to be right for them today. So through trust and will, we're really removing the barriers as to why most families don't take that first step to meet with an attorney. And I'm sure that you hear it all the time. All the time. It is expensive, right? Even, even if you have an estate worth one, two, three, four, five million, it's not super exciting to go spend three to $5,000 to set up a trust with an attorney. Um, on top of that, you know, it's intimidating to sit down across the table from someone you don't know and answer questions about what would happen to everything you've worked so hard for when you're no longer here. It's not the most pleasant conversation to have or, or to prep for. Uh, and the last one is for a lot of people, it's time consuming uh, or, or just kind of inconvenient of, hey, we're a dual income household. We both got nine to fives. In order to go meet with an attorney, we're going to need to take time off work. We're going to need to find a sitter for the kids. Uh, and then we're going to have to tackle that meeting and that entire process. So trust and will really allows for people to have a, a no excuse option for setting up a plan that's going to be right for them on their own time uh, and for a fraction of the cost of sitting down with an attorney. But just to set the table today for those of you watching who came in saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm here to learn about probate real estate. Every other probate real, real estate call is get the list of data, cold call people, 90% of which or on the do not call list and hate you when you call them and grind away to get business. This is not what this call is, the opposite. This learning had more valuable to your prospective customers to build a business. And I want you to listen to what Michael has to share with us today through three different lenses. Lens one is, lens one is do you need an estate plan? You know, I started this process and I realized I have one, but we wrote it when my daughter was a young child. Now she's married and has a husband and things have changed. We have a grandson and maybe a second on the way. Number one, do you do you need an estate plan or update your estate plan, as Michael said, or is are all your assets titled in the estate? That's another one that's missed. Number two is for customers. I want you to listen to the opportunity that you can present this valuable content to your clients because as realtors, we all say, well, we don't really want to talk to people we know already because we all know what to say. Here is what to say, how to keep your wealth, how to build your wealth, how to protect your wealth, as well as all the other aspects of a trust and an estate plan. And number three is how to market to get your business. And this is the company that's masterful at marketing to consumers. Their online marketing and their material is fantastic and really on point. So we think of those three lenses as we talk today about what he has to say. And just before we go on, just a, a, some quick advertisement or housekeeping if I can, um, this is probateweekly.com. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. You can sign up online at probateweekly.com through Eventbrite and register. Come on live if you want to. Now, if you want to watch this on my social media, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, you're welcome there. If you're watching there, go ahead and like it. Put comments in the chat box. I'm watching those comments and responding in lifetime. And if it's afterwards, you're watching on a recording as well, put questions and comments and so we'll get back to you on that. Second of all, if you miss it, uh, episodes.probateweekly.com, or if you want to see past episodes, you'll see the current episode and most recent ones in the past right here. Uh, feel free to go there to find as a resource to get more content. And then additionally, 
We have a Facebook group called Probate Weekly with 2,700 people around the country. And so I have real estate agents there looking for attorneys. I have attorneys looking for realtors. We have families looking for either, as well as sharing content. If you have your own group or your own social media content relevant to probate, feel free to put it in there. I'd love to help you get more help. Our guest today is Michael Salazar. He is with trustandwill.com. And trustandwill.com is the website. Feel free to go on here. Now, we talked last time we had somebody from his company about probate. But today, we're going to talk about estate plans. And there's all kinds of content specifically, just to make it even easier. Their content page, really, if all you did was watch one or two or three pieces of their content on their blog, and then shared what you learned with your clients, you have weekly content for the next year. It's really that simple. And I, and I just want to give a shout out. In addition to that, um, I, you know, I don't get any affiliate income. I'm not here advertising for them. I don't get a nickel from them. I believe in the product. I want to help you guys build your business. But you can register to be an affiliate and offer your clients a 10% discount to their fees. I'm going to put that in the chat box, my link. Again, I don't get a penny on this, but I do help you get your clients a 10% discount to their plan if they do that. Now, they do have a program where you can buy them and, and sell them to customers and make some money. If you want to do that, it's that's just too complicated for me personally. I know that if I help people get the proper plan in the long run, I win. That's just how life works. So, okay, there we go, Michael. Covered a lot. Let's talk about your offering. Where do you feel? Obviously, there are estate planning options, but before trustedwill.com, and there still are other options. How do you see yourself? How do you describe how your offering fits in the marketplace compared to the competition? Yeah, absolutely. So, the the first thing that I want to kind of clear the air with is that our mission is not to replace estate planning attorneys, right? Estate planning attorneys and the work that they do are incredibly important to a ton of people. A lot of people kind of hear our pitch and they'll be like, oh, these people are trying to automate that estate planning uh, attorney process. The reality is every single you know financial advisor or realtor uh, or financial professional that uses trust and will as an option with their clients is also encouraging their clients to explore the opportunity to meet with an estate planning attorney. There's definitely going to be levels of complexity when it comes to someone's estate or, you know, how they're looking to set up their distributions that a digital platform like Trust and Will is not going to be able to handle. Um, so always feel free to reach out to our support team if anyone on this call uh, is looking to to do their own estate plan or want some clarity in terms of what we can and can't handle uh, to reach out to our support team and get some clarification there. Uh, in terms of where we're fitting into the market, it's for the mass affluent. Right. Our sweet spot is typically going to be someone with an estate valued uh, $3 million or below. Right. Uh, and typically 35 to 54 years old. So the amazing thing that we've seen is that a lot more young people and young families are starting to take their first swing at this earlier on in life. Yeah. Is, is no longer seen as an activity for pre-retirees or retirees only, or for the, the ultra wealthy, it's now, hey, I have a kid, or I just got married, or we just bought our first home. We should have a plan in place. And that's really where trust and will is fitting in is at that point where somebody knows that they need a plan. It's important to them to either have a will or have a trust have power of attorney, HIPAA authorization, healthcare directive. We can get into what all those documents are in just a little bit if you'd like. Uh, but I don't necessarily need to sit across the table from an attorney and spend you know three to five hours answering their questions to build a set of documents that 
at the end of the day is pretty straightforward. So great question we have on YouTube. And again, ask questions if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn from Yvonne Biederman. She asked, do you just work in California? I, I know the answer is no. I'm like, just for the record, I'm licensed only in California, but I'm building a national team of real estate agents. So I do a business really across the country and looking to add more and more all the time. Trustable.com, are you a national company? What states do you operate in? What states do you not operate in? Yeah. So good news is we are operating in all 50 states we can create state specific estate plans in all 50 states plus washington dc uh one thing to point out the only state where we offer a will but not a trust is going to be the state of louisiana if anybody on this calls from louisiana just know they can set up a will with us for a trust probably better to sit down with an attorney but in any other state yes we can set up a totally comprehensive trust-based plan for your clients no problem Great. Now, again, I want to emphasize to all the real estate agents on this call, uh, really, I think to some of you attorneys, you really should be talking about this topic to everybody you ever talk to. There's three categories of people in your database. One is people you know who have an estate plan because when you sold them a house, they took title in the name of the Bill and Mary Jones Trust. So you know they have an estate plan of some sorts. And so what you want to do there is call those people and say, hey, no, she took title and trust. Tell me, can you tell me who you got it with and were you happy with them? And you're going to find they either love them. Now you have somebody that you can call and introduce yourself to and offer, or they'll say they hate them. I've had this happen. And well, wow, I have a great resource. Let me refer you to somebody because if they don't like them, it's because they know they need to change something. They don't want to go back to them. They need to get it restated or amended or whatever. And in some cases, it's almost the same as doing it all over again. Those are people you know who have a trust. You sold them a house, they took title. The second group, you know they don't. You sold them a house and they took title as John and Mary Smith. And you might just ask the question, did you evaluate getting a trust? And they're going to give you reasons why, like Michael said, it's too expensive, it's too difficult, it's too cumbersome. We're in a different state. And now you have a resource you can offer them to help them protect their assets and protect their life decisions. The third group are those you don't know. And you can just say simply, I'm curious if we would find you a house of your dreams. You know, do you have an estate plan in place? Would you be taking title personally or in the name of a trust? And those who are thinking about buying a house, believe me, they want to think about protecting themselves. And either you could do as a closing gift or a discount towards it or just the introduction as part of the value. But again, these are the discussions we want to have with our customers early in the process and regularly with them all. So let's see. Um, Daniel says, do you have to pay at closing or payment plans? For the $500 probate attorney, $5,000 probate attorney program. So Michael's not involved in the probate side other than it's the same company, right? That's not a product you're involved with regularly? Right. So I won't be able to provide too much additional uh, context or color commentary regarding uh, the, the probate service. But what I can say is we do offer a payment plan for that $5,000 uh, yeah. probate attorney program fee. Uh, yeah. And that's available in most states at this point. Mm -hmm. If you do client that is evaluating if that that probate solution would be the right option for them, uh, definitely check to make sure that that level of service is offered in that state before they move forward. That being said, we do offer free consultations uh, before the probate process so they can track with a team member, make sure it's an appropriate fit before they move forward. And I can also add to that. Thank you, Michael. And I can add to that. Daniel, either you were on the website or you were on the call a couple weeks ago when we had a rep from the probate side that they don't they do have a plan they'll finance it they do have a plan there's no payment but there are costs involved there's filing fees publication costs 
that, that normally the customer has to come up with, or you can use a probate advance to get them the money for that to pay for those out-of-pocket costs as well. So definitely probate advance then becomes a very powerful tool combined with the financed attorney's fees. And again, for those listening, this is a separate topic, same company. They have a probate side of the house where they do probate filing and administration, uh, and they have an attorney fee, flat fee of $5,000, uh, and they, they have a financing plan where you don't have to have that money up front. So great question, Daniel. Thanks for jumping in on that. Um, okay. So, uh, Michael, in your describe your role at Trust and Will. What, what part of the, there's a whole continuum from, you know, nuts to bolts, from uh, getting the business to closing the deals out and follow up. Where do you fit in that continuum? Yeah, so it's 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 a bit of a cliche in the uh, financial tech startup world, but I wear a lot of hats, right? But my my role is easily defined as I'm an account manager, and I'm specifically working with financial advisors, financial planners, and other financial professionals to help them implement trust and will as an option for their clients. Uh, so trust and will was prime, or we were founded as, and we still primarily do operate as a direct to consumer platform. Right? People hear about us word of mouth, they see our ad on TV, uh, whatever it may be, through organic search online, and they build their plan with us. If we want to scale faster, we've got to be able to sell in more ways. So this uh, advisor channel started about four years ago. I came on the team uh, close to three years ago and have really just helped for any opportunity, right? What, what firms can we partner with, whether it be a, a small five-man RIA all the way up to a large broker dealer like uh, Northwestern Mutual. Uh, you know, how can I help in educational sessions like this? How can I jump on and, and educate advisors more on estate planning? Uh, and then also just making sure that day-to-day -day things go smoothly for those advisors as well. Uh, so that's that's my pr primary goal here. I don't necessarily interact with clients and help them build their estate plan, uh, but it's making sure that financial professionals know when and how to use trust and will. And that's what caused me to jump in is my son-in-law runs the tax department for a regional uh, wealth management company in Santa Monica, Gerber Kawasaki. And one day we were just chatting about uh, estate planning. In, in his case, I having the first child. I was just, I brought the subject like I do. And, you know, he's the husband of my daughter and, and father of my grandchildren. And, uh, you know, th through his company, they have access to trustandwill.com. And uh, I had known of them, but um, the company works for Gerber Kawasaki is a first rate wealth management company. I said, wow, if they're using them and considering them as an in-house resource, then uh, they must be legit. They must be good and have good service. And that's what caused me to really go in a little deep. So I know you guys have pretty tight relations with wealth management um, in particular. Um, got a great question from Yvonne. Um, and we're going to, you know, we'll get that to you again at the end. How do you get in touch with trustandwill.com? So the obvious answer is go to the website, trustandwill.com, and you can contact there. Uh, but Michael, I think you guys also have uh, people involved in helping uh, kind of bring partners on. Is that part of your process also? Yeah, exactly. And we've seen a lot of realtors fall into this same channel that we're working on continuing to build right now mm -hmm. uh, to add value in a lot of different ways. Like you said, checking to make sure that when you do sell a home, that that person has a plan in place already, or they know the steps necessary to set up their trust and protect their assets. A lot of uh, agents are doing that right now in order to help provide a little bit more peace of mind provide education, provide additional value, and also put yourself in an even better position to get a referral, right? To say, hey, not only did this person do an awesome job uh, 
with, with, with every step of the process. But after it was all finished, they made sure that we uh, had an opportunity to set up our home in the trust. So a lot of agents are, are taking this same path. Um, if you are interested in implementing trust and will as an estate planning option, or just learning more about how other agents are doing this, you can definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, I'll go ahead and actually drop in the chat right now the best way for you guys to reach out. If this learn more about, super easy, advisors at trustandwill.com. And then you can also, also email me directly if you would like. Uh, and that's just michael at trustandwill.com. Beautiful. Michael at trustandwill.com. Advisors, if you're looking more for the generic relationship stuff. Uh, another great question. Um, I know my answer to this one, but I'd love to get your answer to this one. Uh, and you'd be careful how you answer this one. I'm sure this one's politically incorrect all over. I, I can see this one. How does your company compare with, with LegalZoom? So generically, LegalZoom does a lot of things, and you guys are focused in on this space. Uh, but specifically in the competitive field of estate planning, how does your offering compare with LegalZoom uh, and their offering? Yeah, so great questions. One that comes up all the time. You really nailed that first point where it's, hey, LegalZoom's been around for 20, 25 years. They've been the go-to name for online legal documents. They've got their hands in a lot of different things, right? Versus Trust and Will was built solely to focus on estate planning. And we really believe and we get feedback on the fact that that comes through in our user experience. So people that have used both platforms or have vetted both platforms tell us our process is a lot easier to use because it revolves entirely around estate planning. We're obsessed with user experience, the user interface that they're going to interact with. We have education built into every single step of the process so clients can really learn as they go without needing to navigate away from the page. We have a member support team that is focused only on estate planning again. So you're not going to be contacted by uh, you know LegalZoom customer support. It's going to be Trust and Will's estate planning member support, and these are Trust and Will employees that are trained to be able to help clients navigate our process uh, and be able to uh, build their estate plan really easily. Last last main point here is I always like to say the proof is in the partnerships. So you know. A company like LegalZoom, they've been around for a long time. In the short amount of time Trust and Will has been around, about five years, we have partnered with AARP, Northwestern Mutual, UBS, Fifth Thirds Bank, Schwab, Fidelity, Mass Mutual. The list goes on and on in terms of financial institutions that have you know, vetted our, our platform, vetted our process, maybe most importantly, vetted our security and said, okay, this is a solution that's not only going to work for... Uh, you know, our end client and make estate planning more accessible. But there's also a product built in for advisors uh, or other financial professionals to use to make sure that clients actually follow through and get it done. Uh, so that's the main difference that we've seen so far. It's really just focusing everything around estate planning and, and being totally obsessed with user experience and the user interface that we've built. Yeah, and, and I've used LegalZone since it came out. In fact, one of the early investors uh, Bill Handel was like a friend of a close friend of a close friend of mine. Uh, had him here for lunch, and um, uh, they do a great job. The, but the challenge there is they do a lot of things, and like anything else in life, you know, you do a lot of things. So you just can't do what they do well is general legal work online. Here you're talking about something that's more personal and more intimate, and that's what they're focusing on. And uh, I think the probate edition makes sense because you're trying to 
I think you'll you'll write better plans if you're involved in the probate space as an attorney. You kind of learn how those uh, things work. A question from Shauna. I don't know. This is really quite a question from Michael. What's to stop a, a power of attorney, uh, meaning somebody with a power of attorney, from coercing somebody with dementia, who has a solid estate plan already in place, from changing it to make it, making them the full executor and a full control of the state? So the question she's really asking is, what's to stop somebody from using your service or any other service uh, from changing somebody who has a plan to, to a different plan that favors the person who's doing that fraudulently? And the answer is, that's happening more and more across America, more fraudulently every day, right? That's just part of the industry we're in today. Yeah, and if I can add to that, I mean, it's it's something that would be borderline evil to do. So I, I hope that you know, Johnny, you're not you don't have anyone in in your life that you've experienced that, uh, and it's it's something that we certainly want to avoid for our members. Here's kind of the safety net right, is that in order to create that power of attorney document with us, the person needs to actually be able to sign on, create an account, and build their documents. At that point, they can either print out their documents or request free shipping from us, we'll send it to them. In order for that power of attorney to actually be enforced, it does need to be filled out. Certain parts need to be filled out by hand. It needs to be signed and notarized by a notary with witnesses present. And if that notary is doing their job direct uh, correctly, part of that process is verifying that this person is in a sound state of mind to make decisions for themselves at the time of signing the documents. So really important step in order to make sure that the POA is valid, is enforceable, is going to be getting that document signed with a notary, with witnesses. That's a huge block from anyone that would try to, you know, or someone or, or create a fraudulent document that could be uh, actually followed. So just know that that's in place. Um, hopefully, you know, the notary in a situation like that would be willing to say, hey, it doesn't seem like this person is in a state of mind to make updates to their estate plan or to enforce this new POA with all these different decisions. You know, I think that the other thing is having been in court a lot, you know, you see more and more of this fraud all the time. And it's more common, this is done for somebody who has no plan or has a very limited will that somebody makes those changes. The advantage of having a more comprehensive estate plan in place is there are more pieces to the puzzle. And theoretically, the assets are deeded into the trust, the real estate is deeded in the trust. If out of the blue, then a, a one piece of paper comes that invalidates that, it's easier to make a case to say, well, that doesn't make sense given all the work they did on this plan and these other things that weren't taken out of it. And so I don't know there is an answer that will protect you. I mean, I think as a as an heir uh, on a case for my aunt, I checked her public records on her property every 30 days because she had a caregiver living there. And that's a very common case where the caregiver did something over. Next thing you know, they take the assets. So I don't know that there's any provider who can stop it. But I do believe the more comprehensive your planning is, at least you make it harder for somebody to take over, is how I would answer that. Okay, hey, good questions today. I think uh, you guys are um, uh, really kind of getting this. And again, this is a little different and a little nuanced, but I'm gonna say to you, this is the number one opportunity to build your business really for free. And I've ruled to, I have these discussions with my team members every day, 
And they say, well, Bill, I don't have any business. I've been cold calling three hours a day. I've been calling strangers who hang up at me three hours a day. I've been door knocking three hours a day. Here's a case where we all know people. We all have people who know, like, and trust us. And I think the stat Michael used was 60 or 8% don't have a plan in place. And those that have a plan in place, I can tell you, many don't have the assets done properly. They're not up to date. They don't know where the documents are. It probably is closer to 80% of people could use help in this area. And if you learn how to do that, uh, you can share that. And so again, just a quick recap, on their website, they have great resources. If you go to trustandwill.com slash learn, literally you go on there and read two or three articles a day, write one of your own of what you learn, share that with your database every week for the rest of your career, post that on your social media, not their stuff, post what you learn from it, your summary of it. And that's why I have, I have them here today, and they're very gracious to spend time with us to share. Uh, Daniel says the title will call the person during closing. Um, you know, Daniel, that's true, but I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But what I will say is that there are cases of, you know, caregivers or the classic cases of three siblings, one daughter who's at home with the father and mother and feels that they are entitled to everything because they're taking care of them, the other two not around. And all of a sudden, out of, out of the blue, there's a will that says, I give everything to my favorite child, so-and-so. And the law tries to protect people. There's certain provisions, but um, you have to litigate to protect yourself there. And that's why it's so important to try to plan ahead. I don't think there's any solution to the problem, but there are certainly a lot of things you can do to prepare yourself as best you can. Uh, and that's what we're here to talk today. So let's talk about you, Michael. Um, you must have friends, family. You mentioned grandma. Grandma got you the job, but I don't, without getting personal, I don't mean to pry into other people's finances. Uh, you must have family members, friends, people buying houses. What's that conversation like when you talk to somebody? Yeah, well, it's it's usually a, a surprise when I bring it up in conversation. And I think that's because I'm so comfortable and I'm so used to talking about estate planning, talking about death. And I think being just being comfortable with the conversation in general. Uh, but it's it's something that's so important to do. Right. And especially for a financial professional that I'm typically working with, it's like, hey, if you're not the person who's bringing this up to your client, then who is right? It's not a conversation that's going to take place at Thanksgiving dinner. Right. It's it's not a date night conversation, typically. So when is this going to be brought up? Other I'm than glad you understand that, Michael, you married. I'm not married. Not yet. OK, I'm glad you understand that. We don't want that to get in the way. So go ahead. <laughs> exactly. So when I when I do bring this up, I think people are generally surprised, but also there's a sense of relief of, hey, this is actually something that I've been putting off. Like, you know, I'll go over to my friends, an old friend's house and, and visit with them and their parents. And they'll ask about what I do. I'll tell them about my job and they'll say, we've we've lived in this house for 20 years. We still don't have it in the trust. What do we need to do in order to do that? We've been putting that off. Right. Or. Right. As soon as I got the job with Trust and Will, first question I had for my grandmother was, hey, when's the last time you updated your trust? It had been about 10 years, right? She had she had changed her mind about who she would want to inherit her assets, what charities she would want to uh, contribute to once she's no longer here. She's also made some changes around what type of health care she would like to receive uh, you know, during end of life if, if that were to occur. So it's it's it can be uncomfortable but it's extremely necessary is what I would say. And those laws are changing all the time by end of life decisions and medical care and defaults. And so, you know, what I tell people is either you have a plan for your life or the state of California has one for you. 
it looks a lot like going to DMV. It just not is not as customer service oriented in probate court as this DMV. Um, I saw Daniel put in the comment box that something I want to make sure I correct this. I'm not an attorney. I'm not giving legal advice. He says wills can be contested, trusts cannot. First off, all wills are adjudicated in probate court by definition. Probate court, either there's a will, there's not a will, but either way, even with a will, there's a probate case anytime there's a will. So you could say they're contested or at least they're adjudicated every single time. He says trust cannot be, that's not true. Anybody can sue anybody for anything, particularly in California. Now there are trust provisions that discourage lawsuits right? But uh, anybody can sue anybody for anything. And it, the more money in a trust, in my experience, the more likely there is to be some lawsuit or some contest over who gets how much and why and how this is this assets interpreted. Uh, you know, who was meant to manage this decision? Do we have to sell the property or can I get a percentage interest in it? Uh, I, I can tell you, having been to court, I have seen trusts contested. I've been uh, a real estate agent in contests numerous times. So I would I would disagree with you. There's nothing about a trust that guarantees you won't be sued. What it does is it gives you more tools to fight the lawsuits if that's to happen, or it gives your heirs the ones you want to help more tools to fight in case they want to. But absolutely, um, wills are all educated and trusts can definitely be sued. That's definitely a possibility. Um, okay, so Christopher asked the bottom line, because Christopher is a bottom line guy, What's the cost to set up a trust with trustandwill.com? Yeah, absolutely. We can uh, review pricing real quick. So in order to set up a trust, we have two different options to choose from. Either you're an individual or you're a couple. In order to qualify for the couple plan, you do need to be married. Uh, so either a single plan or a married plan. When you were, If you were to set up a free tool called the advisor dashboard, there's no cost for you to have it. You could refer yourself or you could start referring your clients, they'll get a 10% discount automatically. The cost for an individual trust-based plan after that discount, $539. $539 in order to set up an individual trust-based plan. The cost for a married couple trust, uh, it's either gonna be a joint trust or separate trust, depending on the state that you're in, $629 for a couple. So only an additional $90 to add a spouse to that. It definitely depends on generally where you live or you know what asset level you have, who the attorney is. We're typically here in 2,500 to 5K to set up the same set of documents with a similar level of complexity if you do do it with an attorney. The nice thing about trust and will, those prices that I just shared, the 539 or 629 respectively, that price does not change based off where you live, the size of your estate, what you're looking to accomplish, how long it takes you, or anything. So it's really nice to be able to know this is exactly what I'm going to pay before I even get started. And I think I can say that it's a complete solution. Now, I'm sure Mike would agree. It's not for everybody. Some people need more handholding. Some people have more complex requirements. Some people want to go into an attorney and meet with them in person and have a different experience. Uh, and and for some people, spending three, four, five thousand dollars is reasonable given what they're trying to accomplish. But this is a great starting point. And what I tell people is, listen, I don't know if this is right or wrong for you. Call both and compare. I'll pay six ninety nine for the married couple to get a trust, or I'll pay six ninety nine towards another plan with an attorney. But you need a plan, 
And let's just get an action rather than say we could get one, but not, and have three reasons why. Let's get one and just pick the best one for you. And for many people, and I'm sure if we had 10 conversations about this topic, I'm sure a few will go with trust and will, and a few will go with somebody else, and they're all better off, in my experience, or 99% are better off with either or. So at least have the discussion. And I think because we don't work for trust and will, we have to get caught up on where the customer goes, we should get caught up on getting our customers into action. And I will also say that in business, that if you can get your customers into action, uh, it's just getting them prepared for time to sell a house. This is what we do as agents, is motivate our customers and, and get our customers to take steps, get them started, get them to follow up with them. So this is what the process looks like on a smaller scale, it's great practice for you on uh, listing property. Okay, so there you go, there's the cost. And so the answer to that is, without a discount, $6.99, with a discount, you get 10% off. So it's $6.39 for, for a couple individuals, $5.99 with a discount, $5.39. And I think you have a couple ups and extras if you wanna use an attorney for some questions that cost another certain amount of money. And then there's a membership program on top of that. Yeah, so, so the only other additional fees that someone could incur would be if they wanted to add attorney support. So if they want to interact with a live attorney during, before, during, or after the process, this is going to sound crazy, but they actually get one year of unlimited access to that attorney for a flat fee of $200, wow. which is less than most advisors or most attorneys hourly rates. Most people that add this are only spending an hour or two total time with that attorney over the course of the year. And it's going to get some specific legal advice, maybe go through the process with the attorney, maybe do a line by line document review and get some recommendations on, on what they should change based off their estate planning goals. But the interesting little tidbit is that in the states where we offer attorney support, only about 4% of our users in those states end up adding it. So it's a very low use rate. I think a huge reason for that is we have a member support team on standby ready to help. Uh, if people have you know basic questions around education, they need technical support, or they're like, hey, I know what I want to do. I just need help with how to do it. We've got a team able to help that's able to help you for free. But if you want to receive that legal advice or get document review with an attorney, we do offer that for a flat fee of $200. And then in the years, uh, or when, when you set up your plan, you get one year to make unlimited updates for free. So if anything in your life changes over the course of that first year, you can change it at no cost. After that, we offer an optional annual membership for a trust, it's $39 per year. And that's basically, you have trust and will on retainer and you can make changes to your estate plan whenever you need. And wow. what, that, what that's really allowed for us to do is help people understand that an estate plan is dynamic right? That it, it is a living, breathing thing that it needs to change with you as your life changes. And there's no longer that excuse of, oh, I don't want to, you know, spend a couple hours and a thousand dollars sitting down with an attorney to, to uh, you know, add my grandchild to the trust right now. But right. It's, as soon as your grandchild arrives, let's make sure that they're a beneficiary of the trust if that's something that's important to you. Or, you know, maybe as something as as silly seemingly as, hey, my uh, nephew said something really mean to me at Thanksgiving dinner. Like, I'm going to grab my laptop. I'm going to exclude him from ever being able to inherit my assets, right? So like, it, it's something, it, whether it's a major change, like adding to the family or something trivial like that, it really gives people a lot more flexibility to change their estate plan as their life changes. 
you better be careful if your whole family has this flexibility your thanksgiving dinners are going to be kind of wild i would be careful with all that exactly exactly <laughs> um i see a hand up there from a guy who's been harassing us on previous yeah. calls i'm i have the uh i have the uh fbi and standby case this is obscene zoom bomber but larry smith group let's get you unmuted i almost don't want to put points on this one okay hold on one second uh go ahead larry Let me get you muted. There you go. Uh, we need to get you unmuted, Larry. Right here. There you go. Am I good? Larry Smith Group. What's going on? Hey, Larry. Hey there, Michael. Great call. Um, so, Bill, I ran into this, and I, I, it may be out of the context of the call, but it, it does speak to the bigger issue of having a trust. I believe I, I talked to a a gentleman, he's a petitioner, an applicant uh, in probate, and he was very upset that um, he had to go probate his wife's part of the estate because uh, they have a minor child. And in Texas, that means that child has rights, which means that probate side of the wife's estate had to be opened up in court, they didn't have a trust in place. So they ended up in probate court and he was livid about the entire process, the system. And then, you know, you had to go get an ad litem attorney and it really set him off. And um, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't working in the legal profession talking to him because he was not happy, but would have trust would that have kind of kept him out of probate court uh, in this instance? I believe it would, but I'd love to hear what y'all's thoughts are. Well, just real quick in passing, uh, for those who are listening, there's a term ad litem, attorney ad litem, which means there's a court appointed attorney right. for a child. Children can't represent themselves like adults right. can and are presumed to need legal advice. And so the court will appoint a attorney ad litem which means mm -hmm. that the attorney is, is obligated to, a special attorney obligated to look out for the best interests of the child. So yeah, I think your question, Larry, is can trust be written in such a way that if there is a grandchild or child not anticipated, will the trust cover their interests, right? And, Correct, and I know so it, that it wouldn't end up in probate court because that's right. what he was upset about was that he felt like if he had a will, he didn't have to go to probate court, which, he was too upset for me to get involved in that kind of discussion, but. Right. And Larry mm. can't tell is from Texas. So again, just disclaimer for everybody on the call that, that the laws are varied by state. We're, we're looking at some very common principles and want to learn from them, from these other states and how to do our business. But be specifically in answer of what he's talking about would require a Texas attorney. If we have one on call, we'd love to get your opinion. But Michael, in general, can trust be written to anticipate future children and future grandchildren, or does it have to be updated every time? It should be updated, why not? But can it be written in a way to anticipate future children or grandchildren? Yeah, great question. So documents can absolutely be written to include all future children. Now, when you're including that language, you're giving everybody else that's not you and your spouse a little bit of wiggle room because it's like, how do we define who additional children are? How can we be certain, right? So you can absolutely have that language to be a short-term solution to say, 
hey, any any of, let's say, uh, my my future grandchildren, right? Because I've got uh, now two children who are married. They're planning to both grow their families over the next five years. I don't want to update my trust five times over the next five years, right? At a, at a point like that, that language could be appropriate. I want to be careful of what I'm saying here uh, because I'm not offering legal advice. Um, but it may be wise uh, when when there's a little bit of pause in terms of when the family is growing to say, okay, let me actually go back in either with to sit down with an attorney or to do my trust and will account and make sure that I list out exactly which grandchildren that I'm talking about so that nobody's left out and that there can be no assumptions of, is this person my grandchild, right? So always we want to be as specific as possible. And I always like to give the example, this is different when, from talking about beneficiaries, but in talking about assets, right? If you wanted to pass along mm. your your uh, car to your son, when you're writing that in your will, you don't want to write, I want to give my car to my son, because that can mean a lot of things, right? Are we talking about the, the two-door 2017 uh, Corvette that's in your driveway? Yeah. Or are we talking about one of the matchbox cars that's been collecting dust in your basement for a long no, time? No, no, I'll take the Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> I know Larry will take the Corvette too. <laughs> I, I I just saw a really nice Corvette, a 77 uh, nice. yesterday, actually. Um, okay, so kind of to, to put a bow on that, um, it, it, Bill, it, it sounds like maybe posing that um, in your form or in our forms as um that's an opportunity to really provide value to people because they're not thinking I, I can tell you no one is thinking like that critically about that that could actually happen to me yep. you know and, right nobody and, anticipates and, being sued over ambiguity in the wording of a doc, legal document or else they would have written the document more clearly meanwhile the courts are full of lawsuits over ambiguities and legal documents that were written where the attorney thought everything was done properly so a hundred percent nobody anticipates that I, I think the takeaway there was that his absolute shock and disgust that he thought he was covered with just a simple will. Mm -hmm. And he didn't anticipate his wife dying uh, prematurely and wrongful death. So that's a whole nother can of worms for him. But while they still had minor children and now these children interests have to be defended and it is elongated the process. But I, I think it's just, it, it illustrates that it's a big deal what Michael's talking about with bringing that up because he's right. That's not a conversation uh, that normal people, at least uh, in Thanksgiving, are going to talk about your estate plans and trust plans. But it, you know, it's, it, it serves as a great reminder of how important that is to have that discussion. Well, and I almost sound too much like a found boy for trust and will, but he just said to you, First year amendments basically free uh, and ongoing uh, $39 a year. And then if you need an attorney, $200. Um, well, think about that. For 39 bucks, you can add every grandchild every time you have one. Why not do that? Versus if an attorney's going to cost you $2,000 every time to amend, and, mo and many don't, many will do it free and expensive or less. But, but if your mindset is, I'm not going to do it because it might cost me $2,000. Well, that's the reason not to work with an attorney that you don't have that clear relationship spelled out. And here in Trust and Will's case, they have it clearly spelled out. You can, every year you sit down with it. How much fun would that be? Now, we only have one grandson. We're hoping for a second in August. 
I have friends who have 15 grandkids. Can you imagine every year with your wife sitting down and updating your your will or your trust because you want to make sure all your grandkids are covered? That'd be kind of a fun exercise to do annually. So um, I'll be call trustandwilly.com and make another update this year. So I think that's the point is you can't prevent these things from being legal problems, but you can do the best you can. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. And if I can just add, add one more thing, you know, we're talking about a will will not avoid probate. A trust is going to avoid probate, but it, it still can be contested, right? Um, and then I, I think back to Bill's earlier question about how do you even have this conversation with people in your life? One point that always seems to really get across to people that may not be super open-minded to setting up an estate plan is, hey, setting up a trust is one of the most selfless things that you can do because it's not necessarily going to benefit you right here, right now. But what it is going to do is going to save a lot of time and money and emotional stress for the people that you care about most. Because if your estate is probated, the people that are closest to you are going to be responsible for that process. And in a time when they should be healing, remembering, reflecting, and, and really together, that process can cause a lot of stress, you know, emotionally, financially. Uh, it can create division within a family when that's that's really unnecessary. So that's something I always like to remind people is you're going to avoid probate. You're going to keep the information about your estate private because your estate isn't going to probate. You're going to have more control over the distributions to the next generation. But ultimately, it's about making sure that that wealth transfer is as easy as possible for the people that you really love. Yeah. Um, we got some questions in the chat. Larry, did we finish on your topic? Yeah, I just want to have Michael on the speed dial for all these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's he gave really, his email address, so the dial, I want the direct dial right in, man. I want instant access. Um, well, he gave his email. That's pretty fast. So uh, I didn't get that before today. So I think we did pretty good today in this call. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Larry. Couple questions. Let's knock a few out. Um, clients have a trust 30 years ago. He died. Heirs can't locate the trust documents. This is a common case. No info on the attorney who prepared the trust. That's very common. Uh, no public record documents give any clues. Okay. And, and I will say, oftentimes people assume the attorney keeps a copy. I can tell you, my father was an attorney. And when I was young and they did wills before trusts, it used to be common for attorneys to keep a copy of the will for their client. That's not true today because so many attorneys have been sued. As a general rule, attorneys will not keep a copy and will purposely delete out drafts because what they don't want to do is get caught up in having to go to court and answer questions. And, and they don't know if that's the final copy or not the final revisions or if their change is made. So this is a common problem. What do you do? And then so Chris has asked the question, can trust and will com help with a Hegstead petition. Now, this is a California question. We have a, a, a legal decision in California called Hegstead, where it was clear that Hegstead set up a trust. He intended to have all his assets in the trust. He had a one piece of property that was not deeded back into the trust. And so California is a process where they will consider taking a property that's titled out of the trust and adding it back in the trust based on the clear intent of the person. So I don't know if that's a question you can answer, Michael, or that's the probate side of the house. Do you guys, I, I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. You do Hexit petitions. I believe they cost a couple thousand dollars. I want to say $1,750 or something like that. But get a consult. Uh, can you answer the question? Do you guys know if you do? Yeah, so that's that's not a 
question that I'm going to be equipped to answer. The answer is probably on our website if you go to the probate section of our website. Um, but that question just brings up a couple interesting points that I want to touch on real quick, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, one is going to be the storage of documents. So like Bill said, most attorneys today will not store a version of your documents. Right. So if they're going to give you a version, it's important that you get those documents signed and notarized. And then some people do like to choose to record that with the state or county. You can absolutely do that while you're still alive. Just know that any time that you make an update to your plan in the years following, it is important for you to then go take that new version and record it as well, just in case your family is not aware of changes that have been made and they don't go looking for the document because they're like, great, the state already has the trust, even though maybe that was three revisions ago, uh, or they know that a new version exists, but they're not able to locate it, right? So um, what I always recommend is tell somebody that you trust where those documents are kept, whether that's going to be your successor trustee, right? If you have a good, strong relationship with your children, tell your children where those documents are kept. Store them in a safe, dry place. Do not store them in a safety deposit box that's going to be next to impossible to access when you're no longer here. Uh, you know, make sure they're in a safe, dry place. They're accessible. I always also recommend to the financial advisors, financial planners that I work with to say, Get on a little sticky note exactly where those documents are kept so that when the next generation comes knocking, looking for the documents, you can be the one to connect them, right? So we always want to be sure that they have the ability to uh, access those documents. Uh, but just know if you are going and recording it with the state or the county every single time, it's important to keep that act up every single time that you make a revision. If you have a, I saw this happen recently. If you have a trust and, and you believe it's in the decedent's safe deposit box, but you you don't have the legal authority to make that statement and you have the legal authority to enter the box, right? If, it, if the if the box is the name of the decedent and they tell you, oh, it's in my safe deposit box, well, you don't have any legal right to go in. The bank doesn't have any legal obligation and really even the, the authority to let you in. What you have to do is follow probate and name the assets, the unknown contents of the safe deposit box. Then the bank has the authority to open the box and show you, here's the trust. So now you've paid for the trust and now you have the probate costs at least part part way uh, just to get the safe deposit box to open it up. So uh, answer the question, as Michael said, get the, the key is get to a successor trustee or two, and that way they at least have that um, done. That, that's, that's really good advice. Um, okay, and then uh, Bob asked the question, if I have an existing trust, can your company help amend it? So now this gets into their legal advice. I'm gonna give Michael a little bit of room and, and warning here. But there's there's amending and then there's restating, and then the other question I would say is, what are you really saving for six hundred ninety dollars? Why don't we just do the whole thing all over again? Uh, so Michael, again with those warnings in place, uh, somebody has a trust currently, but they want to do a new one. Can you amend it? Great question. So here at Trust and Will, we do not have the ability to review or edit documents that are created outside of Trust and Will, meaning we cannot amend existing documents. However we can do a trust restatement. So if you already have an existing trust, you can come to us, sign up to create a trust-based plan. One of the first questions we're gonna ask you is, do you already have a trust? At that point, you'll answer yes, and we'll take you through the process of finishing that trust restatement. We may ask you to refer to the old documents a couple times uh, for some information, but really essentially what you're gonna be doing is building a, bland, a brand new set of documents from scratch. 
the main advantage of doing a trust restatement for you is that you're going to be able to maintain the same name of the trust. So you're not going to have to go through the headache of retitling every single account or asset or property that you have. It's going to make it really easy in yeah. terms of trust funding process. There's not going to be that trust funding headache again. So we do have members literally every single day that come to us to do trust restatements. Uh, it's not an uncommon request at all. Just know that if you do come to us to, let's say, update your documents, it's going to be a restatement, not an amendment. You're going to get a brand new set of documents from trust and will. And I think another way just to add that is restatement really is a whole new set of documents, but you're using the same name to keep the, the continuity, but it really has the same effect as a whole new uh, estate from the beginning. Um, okay, Deborah says, um, and thank you, Deborah. I don't think we've met before. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, in Arizona, it has to be recorded. Is that true? Trust have to be recorded in Arizona? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't know if that was true. Um, with the state, with the trust and will, do they provide this? I think he said no. Or does the individual need to go to the state to get it recorded? I think you said that you have to do it on your own. So um, do trusts have to be recorded in some states? Is Arizona one of them, do you know? Yeah, so so can't speak to uh, to Arizona if that's something that needs to be done during their lifetime. Um, we probably have a resource on, on our website in terms of instructions there. But just know if someone's working with trust and will and they have questions about you know, recording their documents or trust funding after the process of actually setting it up, they're still going to have access to our free member support team, right? So if somebody needs some clarification in terms of, hey, I'm doing trust funding right now. Am I doing this correctly? Or am I thinking about this correctly? Or, hey, I'm about to go get my documents notarized. Just want to be sure that, you know, I'm, these are the exact pages that I need to sign. Our member support team is still going to be able to support. So if somebody has questions about whether or not they need to record their documents in their state or in their county, um, that's always going to be a question for our member support team. Um, so sorry, I can't provide a, a more clear answer there, but um, you know, typically that team's going to be able to help out with those types of questions. Yeah, I think you have a whole support team answering all kinds of crazy questions. That sounds to me, from my experience. Um, John asked a question in Illinois that he uh, uh, he purchased a, a home at sheriff auction. Now, I'll, I'll just say off the top, Jonathan, uh, those laws vary by state, and they're very technical here in California. Imagine the same in Illinois, sheriff's auction versus deed of trust sale. So you stop by, the you find out that somebody passed away, um, and then how would it work for them being foreclosed on um, and uh, if they don't know about a will or trust? So I can tell you in California, it doesn't matter if they passed or didn't pass. Once it goes to sheriff's sale, it's too late to go back and and change the result. Now there is a reinstatement period uh, and there's certain rights that an estate would have, whether the person's alive or not, to restate the property. And it might be an interesting game to play if you find an heir uh, to go back and, and try to exercise those rights for them. So again, you really need to find an attorney who knows Illinois law about sheriff's auctions specifically and how the rights of a decedent and an estate play into that. Um, there are people who do heirs research. I've interviewed on my channel as well. A couple of those vendors, um, Michael Zwick was one of them. If you go into YouTube, uh, Bill Gross and Michael Zwick, Z-W-I-C-K, um, he, he does uh, uh, research on heirs and might help you find an heir that can step into place and help you with that. And let's see, I think we have a couple of questions. I'm kind of running through here to finish up. Um, okay, that doesn't help. Uh, can one wholesale and purchase sales agreement that was signed by a personal representative with full authority? So that's a good question. Rob asks, this is more of a probate question. Can you buy a property uh, through wholesale 
uh, and purchase and sales agreement if it was uh, signed by a personal representative with full, full authority. So just to give for those on the call, you know, a quick overview, in California, you have two types of authority in a probate. You have full authority, which means pretty much without court supervision, and then limited authority, which means the court has to literally approve the sale in an actual court hearing process. With full authority, what happens is the petitioner sign, signs a document called the notice of proposed action saying, I plan to sell the property, here's the terms, and then either gets all the errors to sign an agreement to that and consent, or you have to wait 15 days for their consent to be implied, anybody who would be noticed, or else you can't get title insurance. So if you're doing a wholesale or purchase and you need title insurance, you either need the notice of purchase, notice of proposed action, consented or 15 days wait period from all those notice parties, but you can sell a property and that would be wholesale or regular sale that can be done uh, through um, through the probate process. And uh, Rob, you had a specific case or property you want to talk about, reach out to me, I'd be more glad to help you with that. Again, Michael's on the trust and will side, not the probate side, but you know, I do like the fact they have both and I do as a, um, uh, refer, you know, work with both sides of the house. And so we want to see them both flourish. Okay. I think I got all the questions. Michael, any last recommendations? If somebody, if you came across a friend who is getting into real estate and wanted to learn how to share your resources with their customers, what would you recommend them to do to, to be effective? Yeah. Interesting question. Cause I actually do have a few friends that are getting into real estate right now or fresh to real estate, uh, get in contact with me directly and I'll be able to help you uh, get sorted out. It's a very easy process in order to set up a free account with us, have your own referral link, be able to offer a 10% discount to clients. Also, I don't want to, I didn't want to get too into it on this call, but some realtors, a very small group of realtors are actually covering the cost for certain clients to set up a plan. Uh, that's you know, more of an investment and their hope is to get more referrals out of it uh, in the long run, but just know that's an option too. But most people will like to start with set up an account, have a referral code, you can get them 10% off, provide more peace of mind, you know, have better conversations, hopefully put yourself in a better position to, to get some referrals. Um, reach out to me directly. I'm gonna put my, my uh, email address in the chat one more time. It is super easy. Michael at trustandwill.com is the best way to reach me. And then something that Bill highlighted at the beginning of the call, go to trustandwill.com, hit the button that says learn. If you're looking to learn more about any subject, probate, wills, trusts, uh, you know, wh whatever it may be, we have a search function. You can search by keyword up over there on the top left. We have hundreds of articles updated weekly. Our goal here is be the go-to destination online for information about estate planning. We, we believe that everybody should have access to this education. So feel free to use this to brush up on your own estate planning knowledge. Send these articles uh, out in newsletters, post them on your LinkedIn, send them to family members, uh, whatever it may be, use these as a tool for yourself. Uh, to educate yourself and to educate others. You said it better, Michael. That's why I brought you on the call. So thank you so much for yourself being on. Thank you to your team for uh, supporting us, helping me uh, present your product and service to our marketplace. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, and let's see. Well, we've got some somebody who unmuted themselves. I'm not sure where my where my uh, security is on that. Let's see here. Unmute themselves. No, we'll take. Oops, we'll take that. May I get the website again address? 
Sure. The website address is trustandwill.com. Trustandwill.com. And it's in the chat box. And it'll be in the notes as well for this call, okay? Okay, so let me just wrap up real quick and just say this is probateweekly.com. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you missed the call, want to watch it again, you go to episodes.probateweekly.com and all of our episodes in order, newest to oldest, are there. Uh, please like it if you like it, subscribe if you, if you like it. And then continue the conversation. We have a Facebook group called Probate Weekly where you can go on and ask questions. Feel free to share your probate-related content. Don't put open houses, but put probate stories, questions, vendors, looking for attorneys, looking for referrals. Love to have you participate in the Facebook group. That's free. And again, we do this call every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, and everything else in between. Thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic week.